For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or crestwooddental.com. Last Minute Blues Podcast is happening. And you know, one thing that's that's really great to see that's unified myself, Jeff Burton, Jamie Rivers, is uh, you guys have really picked up the mantle on giving me loads and loads of crap every time that we yeah. do this. And it seems as though you enjoy it a lot, too. It is a good time. <laughs> it really is. Well, none of us are above it. Like, we're all That's here. true. We're all That's available true. to be tortured. It's just yeah. that we get here ahead of you. Yes. And we talk so much smack about right, you. And then yeah. when you get in here, we just can't wait to, like, Give it to you. And that's such a great thing to tell a guy like me. Right, yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, that guy over there. Yeah. Let that ruminate in my brain the, a little bit. The trouble bit. is with me, you could give me crap, but you, there really isn't any material to, to, to give me any crap, really. Well, right? you don't really understand a lot, Jeff. <laughs> so, therefore, it's harder to get you because big words is just confusing. What do you mean? There's, there's, there's nothing to go on there, huh? Not much there. Yeah, yeah right? I got you. Okay. Yeah, I came in, he was eating crayons, if that I tells was. you anything <laughs> Just we're, saying. We're out of umber, just so you know. <laughs> All right. Is well, that a color? Is the, that a the, color? The purpose here is for us to talk a little blues hockey, sure. game day. And uh, game three was not great, uh, obviously. Um, score seven to two. You can maybe make the case that the score was a little more lopsided than the game actually was. But, um, you know, uh, not what we were looking for for game number three from our boys. Jamie, can you kind of tell us what you saw from, from your perspective? Well, obviously it was a huge night for the city of St. Louis and the St. Louis Blues. I mean, it was crazy down there. People were everywhere, and it was like five or six different TV stations, radio, and I mean, it was nuts. And I thought the boys came out pretty hard. I really did. The first five minutes, they were going. Yeah. Vladdy Tarasenko had two great scoring opportunities early. He didn't score. If he scores on those guys, we might be talking about a different game here. Mm -hmm. You know, that to me was a big swing. And then the penalties. Late in the period, especially, we we give up a power play goal. Then it's just like the floor fell out. Mm -hmm. And to me, the one backbreaker was the late goal that we challenged for offside. And we didn't get the challenge, so the goal stood. And then they scored right away in the second period on that particular power play. I wanted to ask you about that. I'm so glad you brought it because I completely forgot about the challenge. Yeah. Should the... Whoever called for the challenge, should they have known and seen that it wasn't called because our guy carried the puck across the blue line? Because I'm yelling and screaming, oh, his foot is totally, and the puck totally. But our guy brought, it was Edmondson, I think, brought the puck across the blue line, and that's why it wasn't called offsides, right? But from what I understood, but also, too, and just to piggyback what Jeff is saying, are you making that call because of momentum even if you thought that there was a chance that it might still stand. Oh, I see. You know know what I'm saying? Make the call just to calm everybody down and stop the game, but you're getting a penalty. Right. Yeah, that's why I'd have to disagree with yours. Yeah, you're right. That's dumb. That's not really calming it down when you hand them another power play. Right. And let alone power play goal. I see why you guys make fun of me. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. There's a reason you leave the room first (laughs) and we talk about you. So, but anyway. Let me mark that down to edit that out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Jeff, just drop that whole thing, please. Um, But no, to hit on 
on the first part, it, it's a tough call. It's so close. And I, as we're watching it, everybody in the building, it's an offside play, right? So when you're focused on the actual skate and the puck crossing, you're like, that's offside. There's no way it's standing. Right. But then when you see you back it up a little bit more, you see that Joel Edmondson was the last guy to touch the puck. Now, he didn't necessarily bring it into the defensive zone, which is the argument the Blues had was it's not like he had full control and he pulled it back over the line. He was the last guy to touch it, and the the rule is blurred a little bit. Another Mm. one of those. Yeah, a Mm. little bit on that one. And so as they're reviewing it, the the video coach and the Blues and everybody in the building was – we were pretty confident that, hey, that's that's not going to stand. All right, here we go. Here's what we needed. Wrong door. You know, it stands because of the puck possession rule. Then they turn around and score a power play goal right away in the second. To me, that was the backbreaking point, was that goal counting, then the power play goal right after. Just couldn't get going after that. Yeah, they just couldn't seemingly catch back. I mean, they they couldn't put it together long enough to, to catch back up. So lineup changes tonight, from what we understand, our boy Vince Dunn back in. Uh, looks like Bortuzzo out. And then Sunquist back in. Sanford stays in, from what I understand. Is Correct. that all possible to happen? Fabry sits. Fabry's out. I, San- I would agree with that. Yeah, I would too. I, I mean, I really would because I was going to say before any of that, Sanford was one of the bright spots. I mean, his assist was pretty incredible and not just the backhanded pass. The fact that he kept the puck behind the net, blah, blah, blah. I think he earned another game. Yeah, and I kind of mentioned that after uh, game three. I thought that he could stay in. I didn't know where he would slot in once Sunquist comes back from his one-game suspension, but he did a good job, and I think that's what people are expecting from Zach Sanford. Like, when you look at the size of him and his ability, you're like, this is what we should be getting every day, and I think that's what he's trying to do is bring that game, which it is hasn't always been there, but I agree. He should stay in the lineup. Robbie Fabry, as energetic and great as he was, it hasn't clicked. He hasn't hurt the team. No, but, you know, you can't really take Sanford out after that performance. I would not want to take Sammy Blay out. I think that he's been a real instigator. Yeah, Man, he physical. had a huge yeah. hit on David Backus to start that game. He just keeps getting under guys' skin. So I'd le- definitely leave him. And Sunquist, you know he's coming back in. The big one, the big change on D with Vince Dunn coming back and Robert Bortuzzo coming out. Instead of Gunnarsson. Instead of Gunnarsson. I didn't think Gunnarsson would come out. Okay. Now, Craig Ruby's liking himself some vanilla ice cream, just like we are, okay? <laughs> but I didn't think Gunnarsson would oh, come boom, out. Boom. Oh, boom, boom. <laughs> boom, boom, vanilla himself. Uh, but I didn't think Gunnarsson would come out. He's played very, very well, and he has a calming effect on whoever he's with. Today, it'll be Vince Dunn. Uh, I thought that I thought the possibility of Joel Edmondson coming out was there, and it, it's just because I feel like he's been – not overwhelmed, but he hasn't brought his best game yet to this series. He's mm-hmm. very preoccupied with other things, and the turnovers have been there. Whereas Bortuzzo, I thought, has been a little more solid at times. But obviously, Craig Berube and his staff, they you know they make a decision based on what they think is best for the team, certainly. And so we get done in, Bortuzzo out. Yeah, this this is a question that I, I we already know the answer to, so that there's not really any debating the answer. But one of the things that was floating around after game number three. David Perron, you know, took some, you know, not great, took a couple not great penalties, what have you, and has this series. And there has been the thought of maybe him coming out because he was scratched last year in the finals, I guess, with, with, the, with the Knights. Jamie, I'm curious your 
view on that, because when Jeff and I were talking about this, you you obviously, if you're sitting Perron, you're sitting a guy that could score two goals In like that. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So well, like, that's your answer. That period. And that's so, your answer right there. Yeah. I mean, when you look at, sometimes you have to take the good with the bad. Mm-hmm. I would anticipate, actually, I'm 100% sure that Craig Berube has already had a chat with David Perron, and the chat went something like, take aggressive penalties if need be, but all this other stuff has to stop, mm-hmm. or your ice time stops. I know that conversation has taken place, so David Perron will hopefully bring his best version of what he can do and be offensive out there, control the puck. He's still going to have to have a little bit of sandpaper in him because yeah. that's just that makes him the way he is. He just yeah. needs to know when to stop that, the that, sandpaper. That, that's it. Correct. It, Which it, is easy for me to say sitting here. Right. <laughs> yeah. For you to say stop. Real quick, Jamie, to like to go yeah. into the locker room a little bit, how does that conversation between Barubi and Perron happen? What is the tone of that conversation? Oh. You know what I'm saying? Like, like is that is that a... Heated discussion? Is Barubi crawling up his colon a little bit? And or... does Perron know it's coming, too? Right. Yeah. Perron knows it's coming mm-hmm. before it happens. I mean, when you're sitting in the penalty box for an extended period of time or multiple times and the other team's putting up goals, you know it's coming. And so the conversation, with, with if it follows pattern for what Craig Barubi has done, probably isn't as harsh as you'd think. Mm-hmm. It probably is uh, something along the lines of, hey, Perry, uh, let's have a chat. Pull him aside and just says, listen – these ones here, they got to stop. We need penalties that are happening because we're playing aggressive, not because we're playing silly out here. You know, we got to keep our head screwed on straight. You're a guy who can put pucks in the net for us. If you're not putting pucks in the net and you're sitting in the penalty box and you're just going to sit on the bench, that's kind of how we'll go. Yeah. And, it, you know, and yet he'd probably say, do you disagree with anything? And Perron would probably say, absolutely not. Let's go get him, coach. Man. I, I, and if you sit him as opposed to not dress him, you can still throw him back in the game. He's still there. He's still dressed. But ice time can come down. But then ice time can go back up. You know You know what I'm saying? He's still it's, available. Yeah, it's to, on merit at Man, that point. That job of the head coach to massage and to, like, work the egos and work the personalities, it seems like, you know, you do it one through 82 games during the season, but then it seems like you've got to – there's another drive there that you that you've got to communicate with. That is absolutely fascinating to me. The communication aspect of this for these coaches and what makes really good ones, what makes them connect to the players. That's really fascinating. The key is to never change. The key is to never be too angry at guys, too happy with guys. The key is to always say, "Here, here's my blueprint for what this team is going to adhere to, and what the rules are, and how we follow them." And that's it. So you know as a player already, like you said, he probably knows that this is coming, right? Dude, when you when you got home and you were waiting for your dad to come kick your butt, you, yeah. you knew it. Absolutely. Exactly. So your dad didn't really have to come in screaming and yelling and try to identify, hey, Jeff, you did this. No, you already knew it. So when he came in angry, you were like, okay, right. I got it. I know, you know? it's coming. I That's earned right. it. I'm just going to sit here and, and, and take it is That's what right. you got to do. But the rule to that is that's because the consistency is there on what is acceptable and what isn't. And it's the same with the coaching pro sports or any sport for that matter. It's the consistency has to be there. So Craig Berube is consistent, which he has been. Then you don't have to come home and announce that you're home and be angry. He already knows. He expects it to come, but you still got to tell him. And the relationship is better that way, too. Yes. Um, Going back to uh, this last game again, and it was, what was the final? 17-1 to or something like that? (laughs) A shellacking, is that better 
easier to get past, especially in the finals, than a, a heartbreaking o, you know, overtime loss, two to one, or something like that. Yeah, it's tough. Like usually, I'd say you take a good beating and you just sort of, you know, you're like, oh, okay, take the video and just burn it. You know, we're done with that. But in the Stanley Cup final, it's different. You know, your your window of opportunity is getting smaller every time you lose because you know you don't have a million games to get this done in. So it is concerning a little bit, but you do have to take a big portion of it and kind of park it and say, look, we that hasn't been us throughout the postseason. It's right. not it's not a pattern we have. Like Jordan Bennington, he's never been pulled before. That oh, hasn't happened. So, so weird to see. Yeah, it, it was, was so weird. Right? Yeah. So that part of it, you're kind of like, yeah, you know. And we didn't give them our best. So sometimes it works in reverse too, where the other team feels a, a false sense of like we're better than we are. And maybe they're not, right? And then right. you come storming back in the next game. So uh, a loss is a loss. So let's just put it that way. And sometimes when it's, like, big like that, it's easier to kind of forget about it than if it's a heartbreaker like Jaden Schwartz in Game 5 in Winnipeg under, you know, 15 seconds and he puts it in the net. Mm-hmm. Those can hurt a right. little bit more. They can. So this is this question is not coming from Donnie, the angry hockey fan. This is, this is based on on a conversation or an article that I read earlier today in USA Today uh, where Coach Barubi was, excuse me, was interviewed yesterday in the press conference and talked about how the team was the least penalized team in the playoffs before this series started, and then there has been a ton of penalties against the Blues since then, and that, you know, he kind of disagreed with some of those calls. Jamie, I'm very eager to, to ask you what you think about that and, and about how the series has been called because from me – I feel like the Blues have taken a fair amount of dumb penalties that could have been prevented. I don't feel like it's been one-sided to our detriment outside of it being like kind of our fault in some of those cases. Yeah, I mean, there might be a couple of them where yeah, you know, both teams are kind of doing it, but at the end of the day, we have been our own worst enemy when it comes to the penalties. We've you know, we, we've brought on that attention. We've, we've taken silly penalties. We've talked about some of the ones that are unnecessary, so... You know, you just have to get back to playing discipline hockey. You can't give the Boston Bruins. I think, I think in this series alone, they're over forty percent on the power play now. Yeah, like that. You just can't give them opportunities. And and five on five hockey, the Blues have outscored the Bruins six to five, five on five. So that's kind of your answer. Stay out of the box because they're getting. You know, they're almost at fifty percent here. A goal every other power play, and then when we're five on five, we're beating them. Man, there's your answer. Kind of makes sense. Just to it keep kind of works. I mean, yeah. even Jeff gets it right. To right. No, I, I'm totally faking it. I don't know what I was talking about. Uh, I can't believe we haven't talked Molina yet. I mean, or, oh no, we're talking <laughs> hockey, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, different sport. Um, so the uh, the Stanley Cup was in the studio today in the building today. They brought it in. I uh, heard. And boy, it's beautiful. We gathered around it. I had goosebumps again. Look at this. Partly because it's 12 degrees in here, <laughs> but also because that thing was put next to me, and I was just in awe. And a friend of ours uh, that we've known for a very long time was tearing up just in the room with it. He touched it. None of the rest of us did. We're not players. We never have been players, um, besides spinning wheels, obviously. <laughs> As just fans, does it hurt the team? Where where do we go with the fan touching it? And, yes or and no? I just want to. I just wanted to say I didn't touch it for any other reason for myself. If anybody else wanted to touch it, that's on you. But dude, for me, I just there was don't no want to be. I yeah, I don't want to have a picture of me touching it today, and then if they lose tonight, then I'm the idiot. Oh, dude, social media goes crazy. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so 
Here's the guidelines, okay, uh, which there really is not an official book for right. this. But um, usually if you're a player and you haven't won it yet, you don't touch it. Just kind of the unwritten rule. And then even a retired player, if your team hasn't won it yet, you don't touch it. And you just kind of let it be that way. Fans are okay, guys. Now, the only backlash from that is just like you said, is if you go and touch it, you know, spoon it and hold it and do Jeff Burton things. Sure, yeah. Then A, wipe it down. A, probably going to get taken down by the the keeper of the cup. Um, But (laughs) nobody's going to care if we win. But if by chance then we lose the game and let me talk about losing the series, then people are coming for you. Yes. And it's your fault then, which I don't agree with, but that's kind of the mentality. Okay, here's you said your team. Right, or a team that you play for or played for. What if you won the Stanley Cup, so therefore you've hoisted it over your head, but you're Brett Hall? Touch it anytime you want. Okay. All right, I'll let him know. He told me to ask you, so I don't know. (laughs) So if you've won it and you've retired and you're working for a team that has never won it, it's okay to touch it. Yeah, because your name's on there already. You own a part of that cup. That right. thing, man, was oh, beautiful. So cool. And like, and 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 like, I, I, there was like a picture. Uh, one of our old coworkers uh, took of me this morning when I was like looking at it in the mm-hmm. hall. It was so majestic, man. Like, yeah, it's it pretty neat. Just, isn't is, it, is it dumb? Is it dumb for? Or, or do you think we're silly because you're a former NHL player that we're so in awe of the thing? No, I, honestly, guys, I, I'm a former NHL guy, so hockey guy, so I'm biased on this a little bit or a lot, whatever you want to call it. But I do think it's the most sensational trophy in sports. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the look of every championship trophy, it just has that look. And the fact that guys drink champagne out of it, the fact that everything that goes along with it, to me, it's the best trophy in sports. And it's the hardest to win. You know what? It's so great that you say that because uh, I've always said, and I know both of you have heard me say this a million times, the hockey players are the working man millionaire. Mm-hmm. They're the nice guy millionaires, and we've t- discussed before about why they're the nice guys, because at age 14, when you know you're going to be able to be something, in America at least, not as much now, but in the past, you'd have to, in the Midwest, you'd have to move somewhere, so you'd have a, a, a host family. Yeah. And if you're a dick to the host family, guess what? Bye bye So well, people like too- Jamie grow up with reverence for people mm-hmm. and nice people, and that's why you are nice and when I say you, I don't necessarily mean you, but Not I mean me hockey, <laughs> hockey players in general are decent dudes. And that's one of the reasons why this this cut, this trophy is so amazing, I think, because you work your ass off for it and you're a blue collar, lunch pail kind of sport millionaire. That's why I think that cup is so revered. Yeah, I listen, uh, once again, I'm a little biased because I'm a hockey guy. But you mentioned, you know, you leave home, you go out and you move away to go play hockey. Well, there's guys that are always ahead of you, older, and it's amazing how, you know, you talk about adults in your life that mold you into what you're going to be, your teammates. Like, when I was 15, I left home. I had teammates that were 20, 21 years old. I had a guy who had a kid. He drove cab when we weren't playing games. Like, right. this is a man, right? So you're growing right. up pretty fast, too. You grow up fast, but you're told by those guys. Those guys pass down the rules of how you're supposed to act. You know, like you you sign autographs, you take pictures, you do this. You're not better than anybody else, yada, yada, yada. So then it just keeps going. It's like the pay it forward type thing, you know. So every young kid that goes away gets kind of knocked into place quickly. And then that player later on knocks somebody else and it just keeps going. Rob Thomas living with the Kachucks. Great example of it right there. That's a fantastic example. Yeah.
Well, Although he was a great kid to start with. Yeah, good point. It's just some amazing insight from oh, Jamie no, Rivers, yeah. man. I love doing this. Jamie, can you talk about the Fox Sports Midwest coverage tonight? Blues and uh, Bruins, 7 o'clock on NBC tonight. Yeah, game uh, game start. NBC coverage right, starts right, right. at 7. Uh, Fox Sports Midwest, we're doing only a half-hour pregame show tonight. We did it live from in front of Enterprise the other night. It was nuts. Yeah. People were everywhere. It was crazy. It was unbelievable. You're doing the same thing tonight? Same thing tonight. <laughs> pregame, uh, 6.30. Post game, following the game, it'll be usually about 45 minutes to an hour post game. And once again, be on the outside set. So if people are lingering around, they want to you know, hoot and holler and celebrate, hopefully, then we'll be there. Very good. Jamie Rivers, Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, the Last Minute Blues podcast. Game number four tonight. Let's go, Blues. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.